0: Three, four. Four, five. Bellingham International Airport Information Hotel 1654 Zulu Wind 180 at 8 Visibility 10 Sky Condition Ceiling 2300 Overcast Temperature 16 dew point, 13 Altimeter 3010 ILS approach, runway 16 in use. Flow to SeaTac Airport. Advise you of information. Hotel.
1: Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass defect. Lyrical oxidation. Your irrelevant mass spectrograph. Your electron volt. Atomic energy erupting as I get all open. On betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron. Any and every mic you're on. radium. If you're always uradium. Molecules, spontaneous combustion. Bang.
0: Law of Death.
1: Net proportion gain weight, anyway, I'm every element around.
2: Welcome to Spark Science, where we explore stories of human curiosity. I'm Regina Barber-DeGraff, a astrophysicist, pop culture enthusiast, and I'm here with my co-host, Jordan Baker. How's Hello. it going?
1: Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jordan Baker. I'm uh, your resident tall person. Yep. Uh, blonde, tallest person I know. Blonde hair, uh, blue eyes, the crowning achievement of Linden. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: You got all of it,
1: right? Yeah, every stereotype <laughs> Lyndon put out, right. Got it, right? Encapsulated, yeah. physically,
2: demographic of like pop culture was like you know tall, blonde hair, blue eyed guy. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we
1: are moving right along. Yeah, our guest today yeah.
2: is <laughs> <laughs> well. So we, we're here today, and we're talking. We want to talk about aviation, and we have a Spark Science veteran. Oh, Uh, yes, I am. Dr. Aaron Claussen. How's it going? Pretty good. He was here before in our computer science show, and we we asked him, because we knew he was an amateur pilot, we were like, can you take Jordan up in your plane? And And I
3: said, absolutely not, but I can take the both of you. Yeah. Yeah. That is
2: exactly (laughs) what happened. Now, your friend Gina, me, I'm slightly afraid of going up in small planes. Slightly. but it's slightly. <laughs> but I thought that it would be an opportunity to talk about just the basic physics of flight. Talk about my phobias, and also talk about just like you know how how are the planes that Aaron uh, Dr. Clausen is is working on and flying in. How are those different from the original planes that the Wright brothers put together? So I wanted to have a show, and Dr. Clausen took us up two days ago, and we actually recorded it. Yeah. How did you How did you like the flight?
1: Uh, it was good. It was my first. Full flight. I have one and a half flights on a small plane mm. under my belt now. Well, uh, what? I'm intrigued by the half. half. I jumped out of it. Oh,
2: <laughs> one, oh! No, one
1: takeoff, no landings. I mean. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Wait, with with a parachute.
1: There was yeah. There was a man. He was a lot shorter than I was, strapped to my back. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, and
2: he was the professional.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I was terrified, but um, it went well, and we're alive. And yeah. during the show, we're going to cut um, and we're going to listen to some of them. We have some clips that we're going to listen to during this show. Our listeners will hear us and our conversations while we're up in the air. They'll hear Jordan having a great time and me screaming.
1: Cowering down like a little yeah. whiny person. Yeah, covering my eyes. Right. Which is why we I- took
3: the mic away from her.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> and I will not be mic'd. You'll just hear me. Groaning in the background.
1: Not to downgrade anybody's fear against flying yeah, or whatever. Right. I mean, that's fine sh- if that's who you are. Right. Um,
2: but for those that are afraid of flying, I conquered that fear and I um, confronted it and I survived and right. I actually feel like I'm better for it. I, it was it was a beautiful flight. Seeing Bellingham from a thousand feet was amazing. Hey, look! The
0: right, to look! All right.
1: Yay! <laughs> uh, so. Regina does not have a uh, microphone because she has plugged in the microphone to the recording device so you will not be able to hear her, uh, you just will be able to hear her yelling and screaming in the background.
0: Dungham Power, Skyhawk 21745, holding short 16, ready for departure for uh, pattern work. And there's two, Gina's shaking her head in the back, she's getting scared.
3: Okay, for the FAA, who is listening, we were yeah. up at about two thousand feet. We were so at we were two thousand feet. <laughs> 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 yep, it was over two thousand feet. <laughs> it was. I'm I looked an,
1: at the altimeter.
2: I'm not a pilot. I didn't know. I was in the back too. I mean, how yeah, would we I were have at known? Thirty
1: feet and cruising around, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we, we we're cruising at like fifty feet above BP. <laughs> <laughs> we were <laughs> took a picture of my brother.
2: We took a lot of pictures. Uh, Jordan and I were just like, we actually, t- I tweeted. From up in the air, it was really cool. But um, I want to take us back. Um, Aaron had told me in the past that he was actually very fascinated with aviation, was actually building his own plane. So I want to go back, back in the Wayback Machine, and talk about when did you start being interested in aviation?
3: Oh, what a great question. Yeah, I'm, so good. I'm good at this. In high school, I was working at a coffee shop and this is right when espresso was starting to get popular. There was this new company called Starbucks. And let's this be this honest, in the nineties. Yeah, uh, no, it was in the eighties. Okay, what? hang on, stop before
1: before you continue with the story. I just have one thing I want to ask uh, because you do ride motorcycles. Yeah. was Top Gun your favorite movie? Top Gun was
3: a good movie, but I can't really because Tom me.
1: Cruise rode motorcycles yeah. and he flew planes. Well, Go on, continue with your story. That's a good
3: point. Is tom cruise but that's oh. another
2: so you can just think of the movie you're take a smart him out, tom cruise you know yeah, it's, it's insert just him an f-14
3: flying around by itself yeah there's a guy in the back seat saying no how did we get here just
2: insert a different actor i do that all the time like i love that movie wasn't it you know john cusack or something and then it's people tell me it wasn't but okay, i don't see, care
3: now it's deep roy it's what deep roy he's the uh who that is oh <laughs> charlie and chocolate factory the um no the that's kid? johnny depp
2: yeah, that's Johnny <laughs> Depp.
3: Right, but the <laughs> helpers, the
2: oh, the Oompa Loompas.
3: Yeah, he played all the Oompa Loompas. All of them? All of them.
2: Wait, wait. Oh, not John Cusack, the guy you're talking about. <laughs> the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> I was like, what? I
3: don't What's remember who's that <laughs> in that movie. But anyway. All right. So, anyway, so Starbucks we're back coffee. in the '80s. Star- Starbucks. Back coffee. in high school, I was working at a place called AJ and Charlie's, and the woman who started the coffee shop, AJ, um, didn't own a car. She had an airplane. A little Grumman Tiger, and for this is her first company, and she had like three employees. And for Christmas, she bought each one of us a thirty-minute intro flight at the local flight school.
2: Damn! What a nice boss. I know. Right? And so she sounds amazing.
3: I went up for thirty minutes, and that's like how many how many cups of coffee do I have to serve to get another hour in the airplane?
2: Wow! Did she continually like um, help you out, or was there like a club that that, like did that?
3: Well, there was a flight school, but there wasn't a flying club. That was just sort of the hook. Okay. Um, But she also helped me out because she was the one who... I think the statute of limitations has expired on this. She gave me a pirated C compiler and a reference for the Kerningham and Ritchie C book. And so that was my introduction into like grown up programming.
2: Computer science. Yeah. So, wow. So she like oh, hooked you on
3: computer science things you just said. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, oh, okay. C,
2: the C, C program. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, um, okay. Yeah.
1: So she that was, was like, actually, like,
2: like C++, but before that,
1: well, no idea what that meant. I just thought we were on planes still.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was a C plane. Well, no,
1: yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, Oh, it was
3: a C plane? Controlled okay. by
2: robots. Computer science.
3: There we go. <laughs> So I can say she got me bo- hooked both into aviation and computer science. Wow.
2: So. It, it, so what what town was this in again?
3: This was in Gig Harbor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Sorry. We talked about this the other day. Oh, okay. So <laughs> was... Sorry, listeners. I thought you were there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I don't listen. So Gig Harbor. And is so, she still there?
3: No. I think she has since passed away.
2: Oh. But she sounds amazing. and Yeah. She... What about the other um, employees? Did they also kind of... Catch the bug.
3: Well, one of the other employees was my girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time. Ooh. Ooh, yes, and she caught the bug. She actually went to Emory Riddle in Prescott, Arizona, and got her pilot's license there. And
2: wow, so yes, so yeah. this woman just like kind of spread the love of aviation. Absolutely. So, so, so you go to college, you become a computer scientist. Yep. Um, you get a PhD in computer science, and are you doing? Are you flying the entire time?
3: So I got. I flew as much as I could. I never actually got my pilot's license through high school. Went off to college, graduated from Western. And my wife, Stacy, and I, who was not my girlfriend in high school, um... (laughs) just to be clear yeah Yeah.
2: you're different from lynn people like me so i understand
3: yeah we go out and meet new people (laughs) yeah yeah gross yeah (laughs) yeah what is that (laughs) so Stacey and i moved to island county which is you know whidbey island and there's this little airport there called whidbey island naval air station and through never heard of it yeah it's if you're (laughs) from whidbey island it's hard not to hear it they fly jets um Anyway, through the Civil Air Patrol, I actually got in to do their flying club, which made getting the pilot's license affordable. Yeah. And so so in, they give
2: you discounts for being... So, so what, what, how is it affordable because you go through it?
3: Because the flying club is part of morale, recreation, and welfare. Part of the military. It's you know what military people do when they goof off.
2: Okay, cool.
3: And so you're really just paying for the fuel and maintenance of the airplanes, the planes themselves are provided by the flying club. Right, I mean, they're not looking to turn a profit.
2: So the, the so you're not renting the plane or anything. Well, which you're costs...
3: renting. I think at the time this would have been ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, maybe mid nineties. I think the planes were forty five bucks an hour, and oh, okay. a flight instructor was fifteen bucks an hour.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So and then you're flying. It's great. You love it. And then you're like, I'm going to build a plane.
3: Okay, this was <laughs> kind of. <laughs>
2: So tell us what plane we flew in yesterday, and then what plane you're building.
3: So yesterday, it's a rated airplane. It was a Cessna 172N, and the N's are, I think, mid-80s, like an 88. Okay. Which kind of tells you the age of the fleet, that there's a lot of 70s and 80s airplanes out there. But this is like a real grown-up airplane. You can buy it from Cessna. It's got all the parts you know <laughs> no assembly required the <laughs> batteries included <laughs> what's it, it,
1: this i don't know oh, no. <laughs> like, we, did
3: we, didn't we didn't pay the extra five bucks. bucks yeah exactly so i worked at a place down in eugene and we did flight planning the software we wrote did i think all the non-combat flights for the air force it was just flight planning software and as a benefit if you worked on that project the company paid for your next endorsement well for most people that's their private pilot and the idea is that if you get your private pilot, there's this navigation aspect to it, and you have to understand how to navigate an airplane in order to write the software.
2: That's a, Yeah, that
3: seems logical. That's a great argument. Yeah. I don't know if it really works, but... <laughs>
2: well, it's fine. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we want to just talk about like just the basic physics of like lift, and we were talking about crosswinds when we were up in the, in the plane. Talk about that a little bit um, when we come back.
1: If you're just joining us, this is Spark Science on KMRE 102.3 FM in Bellingham. I'm Jordan Baker.
2: And I'm Regina Barber-DeGraff. Today we're talking about our flight in a Cessna with Dr. Aaron Klassen.
1: If there's a science idea that you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page.
0: the wrong way and i'm going to roll back and the nose goes the wrong way yeah that's because the ailerons are generating drag as they generate lift the rudder counteracts that so if i don't put aileron input i can put more right rudder you can see the nose switch yeah and vice versa that's how you drive a car so in a plane if you have like a glass of water you can hold on to this glass of water and keep the water level straight i've seen people do aerobatics with a glass of water on the dash on the panel and it just sits there i'm not that good
1: <laughs> welcome back to spark science where we're speaking today with doctor is the doctor right yeah Aaron clausen who brought us up into an airplane
3: and yeah. we didn't die and we didn't die which is a success
2: Yeah, it is a success every time.
3: And the plane can still be used, so that's even better. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So when we were up in the air, I I think you were talking a lot about lift, and you were also talking about, like...
3: You think because you didn't hear him, or you think...
2: No, because I'm trying to remember. It was, like, in the beginning, I think. (laughs) I don't listen. (laughs) So we were talking about the plane, and it was, like, tilting a certain way, so I want to kind of take this time to talk about the physics of just lift in general, which we have talked about in other episodes, and also, like... This idea of, I don't know, vector. there's a lot of
3: vector there's a bunch Algebra. Of I don't vector know vector arithmetic going on.
2: Vec- vector physics, basically.
3: So here's the from a pilot's perspective,, yeah. this is the stuff that you need to know. Um, to live, to live. So you've got a wing and it's an airfoil. and this isn't quite right, but you can think of it as being symmetric, so the curve at the top and the curve at the bottom is the same. Some planes will have that this plane didn't it was okay. certainly had a positive camper, but it's a th- camper the bend in the wing okay, so if you draw if you take a cross section of the wing and take slice it up vertically and take the midpoint, it's sort of an arc that bends it's concave down okay but if you think of a, a wing where that's not the case where it's that that line would be straight that there's as much wing above it as below it right It's sort of a, an idealized wing. There's there's a a curve which is the coefficient of lift, and factoring in density and humidity and air pressure and density of air,
2: right? You mean okay? Not the density of the plane. Not the density. (laughs) the density
3: of the air. The airflow going over the airfoil. Right. Um, At different angles of attack. So as you, if you have the wind coming straight at the the leading edge of the wing it's not going to generate any lift because it's symmetric. The air just splits halfway above, halfway below.
2: Right. The, 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 vo- the velocity of the air going um, above the wing is going to be the same as the velocity of the air below the wing, so therefore the pressure is going to be the same.
3: Yeah. No, somebody who subscribes to Bernoulli.
2: Bernoulli's principle, yes.
3: yes. Sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. And i <laughs> <My> a- teaching <laughs> class is fine. So that's
3: actually what the camber takes, takes into effect. So the plane that we flew had a positive camber, which means the air going over the top of the wing has farther to travel than the wing going the wind going underneath the wing. Right. So
1: it's kinda like a uh, it's more shaped like a bird wing with like the And then the other one, the first flat one you were talking about reminds me of like an ultralight.
3: Well ultralights will actually still have a positive camber. Oh, dang it, I was but wrong. they just don't
2: they don't look like it?
3: Well, it's usually fabric. So what you're seeing is really the the fabric looks like it's flat. Okay, got it. But because of the way the pressure builds. Optical illusion,
1: that's what got me messed up. I've
3: only seen them on the ground. With zero angle of attack, so the the wind is coming at the same angle as the wing, and this is our idealized wing with no camber, there's no lift. Yeah. As you increase angle of attack so that the wind is hitting more of the bottom of the wing rather than coming right at the leading edge, you actually start generating positive lift as okay. this coefficient of lift starts to increase and it's basically linear up to about 20-ish degrees 21 22 degrees after that the wing stalls and it's still oh. generating lift it's just generating less width, less lift as the angle of attack increases okay So it's sort of if you think of it as a curve, it's almost a line coming off of the origin until it gets to about twenty one, twenty two degrees, and then it rounds off. And
2: And when you mean twenty two degrees, you mean like the wing itself, the angle Um, between the the relative wind wind and the wing. Okay, and the wing and the wing. Got it. And then it just okay. And then doesn't really help that much. You have a stall, and that's how planes stall. And
3: we didn't do that the other day, but I really wanted anyway. No,
2: (laughs) you can. Jordan can go up with you another day. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah.
3: Well, so here's the interesting thing is you think about flying a plane. It's like, oh, we want lots of lift, all kinds of lift. Lift is a good thing. Lift is our friend. Well, the truth is you want as much lift as the weight of the plane. If you generate more lift than that, you're actually accelerating up. Yeah. You want a balanced lift.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: So Like a breakfast. Yeah. When we were... Balanced breakfast. Yeah. When we were flying around, there's like four forces we're interested in. It's lift and weight. And you want those to counteract each other. Right. We don't want to climb. We don't want to descend. And then there's drag and thrust. And those have to balance each other. And drag is weird. Drag actually comes from two different areas. There's the drag of just taking the airframe and dragging it through the air. And this is, when you think about a car, you're driving down the road 50, 60. Okay, so Gina's driving 80 miles an hour. She's flying on the freeway. I am. But she won't actually fly in a plane. Correct. You're driving down the road, you put your car in neutral. And Mm -hmm. it slows down and eventually stops. Yep. And prime, well, there's other effects, but primarily, primarily at speed, it's just the wind resistance. It's just the drag of moving through the air. You're right. That's what we're really at cruising speeds above 60 miles an hour. That's basically the dominant force. is It's called parasite drag. And parasite drag. It's a, <laughs> sounds intense. It's it does. <laughs> yeah. It's a cubic relationship. So cubic. if you want, if you want to double your airspeed, you need eight times the horsepower. Oh wow! So it's the wow. bad side of the power curve. Okay. So we're up there, we're flying around, we were going about 90 knots, 100-ish miles an hour. um, And we had the engine dragging us through the air and the engine was producing as much thrust as we had drag. The wing was producing as much lift as we had weight. And that's just sort of straight and level flight. Right. Um,
2: It's almost statics.
3: Well, here's the interesting thing, is the angle of attack is dictated by the weight.
0: Mm.
3: So if we're going 100 miles an hour, we're gonna have an angle against the wind that's going to generate just the right amount of lift. right? So if you want to slow down, you at that point, because it's all parasite drag, you reduce thrust. So we're, the drag will eventually dominate. We slow down. We drop to, I think we slow down to, what, 80, 70?
1: Yeah, when we cut off the engine. Or uh, we slowed, it, on slowed it down on that one. Yeah.
3: Um, so <laughs> what happens is you Terrifying. end up nosing up. So you're increasing the angle of attack. So the plane is still flying level but the nose is in the air because you want to increase angle of attack on the wind or yeah, the angle of attack of the wing so that you're still generating as much lift as the weight of the plane.
2: Right.
0: All right, so there's two ignition systems. There's one on the right. Go to both. One on the left. Left always runs rough. It's on the bottom spark plugs. The important part is they, they didn't differ by more than about 50 RPMs and the engine didn't quit, which means both systems are actually working. Carp heat, dump a bunch of hot air into the, the intake. We lost about 50 RPM. And then we want to make sure at idle, the doesn't that doesn't die on us, because this is what we're doing when we're landing. Yeah, you don't want it to die when you're landing. Yeah, no. All right, so mags carb vacuum was in the green. Amps, this is one of the problems with the LEDs, is it used to you turn the landing light on and you could see that it would briefly discharge the battery. Well, the landing light is an LED array. It doesn't pull that much current. So what I do is I turn the uh, charging system off and notice we're drawing about 17, 18 amps. Turn it back on and notice it's briefly positive as the battery charges back up. Hey, the charging system works. Oil temps in the green, oil pressure's in the green. And our friction is
3: that. And so what Jordan's talking about is to hopefully deal with some of the fear. We didn't turn the engine off. We throttled back to idle. But at that point, it's not really generating th- thrust. The propeller's just spinning in, in the slipstream, and there's it's not doing anything. It's right. actually probably slowing us down. And what we did is we slowed down to this magic number, which is 65, 65 knots in that plane. Okay. And what we were doing is, since we weren't adding any power, we had to get energy from somewhere. And so the plane starts to descend. And we were losing 500 feet a minute at 65 knots, so 70-ish miles an hour. Right. Well, what it is is there's there's two sources of drag. There is the parasite drag that we're all used to. If you run really fast, you can feel it. Yeah. I don't Uh, run that fast. Yeah, yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks. So make uh, sure we're all on the same page. I'm yeah. a computer scientist. Running is a theory for me. Um,
2: Hypothesis? <laughs> it's testable.
3: I'm a butcher. I just stab <laughs> the things that are
1: faster than me. <laughs>
3: Throw knives at it. And then we eat them. Yeah. So at about, so there's two forces, or there's two areas of drag. There's parasite drag, and then there's induced drag. And this is a, another angle of attack thing. And so as the angle of attack increases, there's a coefficient of drag that also increases. And this is the drag of turning lateral movement into lift. And so as you get down to about 65 in that particular plane, parasite drag is still part of it, still a cubic relationship, but it's the speed's getting so low that it's no longer the dominant force, and this induced drag takes over.
2: And what's inducing the drag?
3: The actual generating lift. Okay. You can think of it, there's like... Uh, there's wingtip vortices. There's these spiral of air coming off the wingtips. Okay. And it increases at really high angles of attack. Okay. So you're generating lots of turbulence in the... the lots the, of eddies. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, that's what they're called. Kind of <laughs> oh.
3: So... Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, we <laughs> well, Are we in the water now? <laughs> well,
2: it's kind of, right? The little spirals. I mean, yeah, they're eddies, they're just, right?
3: They're just little eddies coming off the yeah. wingtips. All right. All right. Um, well, it's for reals. Fine. Yeah, it's actually... Yeah, there's another story there. I'm not yeah. arguing. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: he's impressed that's what that is so as
3: you slow down and we did not do this again because we were only at two thousand feet that you can slow down slower than 65 but as you slow down you actually need to add throttle back in because now we're not trying to compensate for the parasite drag we're trying to compensate for the induced drag and so the there's a point where you can slow down to the point where you know i've got full throttle in and we're going 40 miles an hour 35 miles an hour yeah and um that's about as slow as you can go and maintain level flight because I don't have enough horsepower to go You're
1: listening to Spark Science on KMRE 102.3 FM in Bellingham and we're talking about light and physics with Dr. Aaron Clausing.
0: Here it's kind of weird. You get these layers of clouds and it's because we're getting so much moisture off the water. Um, but you can think of it as like stratified moisture layers. So you get got this, this air mass near the ground that's wet And as it goes up, it cools off and eventually gets super saturated and turns into clouds. Well, it doesn't want to do that. Something is pushing it up. Well, the thing that's pushing it up is called turbulence. It's lifting of some flavor.
2: Well, I just I'm fascinated by all this physics and all this compensation that the pilots have to actually do and uh, be practiced in and know how to do. I'm fascinated by when we when we landed. Um, there's tons of videos on YouTube of all these, like, giant jets landing in very, and just tons, right? Have you seen these? Oh, yeah. Crosswinds that are just going at, like, you know, 30
1: miles per hour or something, or even more. Like all those, like, uh, I think it's an Alaskan flight TV show that they're all, like, landing on a... And they're
2: crabbing in. That's what it's called, right? Right. So they're...
1: Crabbing in. Right.
2: So they're they're not actually going um, straight, like, down the runway. They're kind of coming in at an angle because they have to compensate for this crosswind. So... You you've had to deal with that before, oh, right?
3: Absolutely. Okay. It's, it, there was a point in my life where you would go find those days. It's like, oh, oh no! The ninety degree crosswind. Like we're headed to the two days ago. <laughs> no. And so there's this is a where bit... this is where that that vector arithmetic comes in. Right. So there's yeah. A heading for the runway. So the runway we were flying on was was runway one six. It's roughly one six zero degrees. Okay. And so the wind we had, I think, was one nine zero. So it was about thirty degrees off. Right, And it was only going about 10 knots.
2: And you have to do vector addition to figure out where you have to go in.
3: Well, we actually have this little... You didn't see me do it. Actually, it's all digital now. But you get trained on it's a slide rule. It's a circular slide rule that computes your crosswind component. Cool. So, really so tells it tells you where to point. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's sine of 30 degrees times your your, your wind speed right. is the crosswind component. Right. So the plane we were in, I think it's published... 15 knots across crosswind is sort of my personal limit. Okay. And there's two reasons. One is that crabbing in. So let's say we have no headwind or tailwind. The, the wind is perpendicular to the runway, and it's 10 knots. Well, we did our approach at about 70 knots. Well, if I just point the airplane at the runway, we're going to get blown off course in the, right. I don't know, four the, minutes it takes us to get there.
2: The other planes would be mad.
3: Yeah, they get upset. <laughs> yeah. Tower gets upset, too. Right. <laughs> so what you do is you aim into the wind. And you want to aim into the wind. So, you know, sine times whatever your angle into the wind is is the 10 knots. So you just counteract it. And so you're really pointed a little upwind. You're not really heading relative to the ground the way the airplane is pointed. Right. Well, that's sort of a bummer if you land that way because the tires
2: only roll one way. Right, correct.
3: (laughs) And this is where, so the plane we were in was tricycle gear. Main wheels in the back, little wheel in the front. All right. The little wheel is the same size as the other ones, but the, so right. the main gear is in the back. And that's important because the center of mass of the plane is in front of the main gear. So if I wanted to buy new tires, I could crab into the wind, fly all the way down to the runway, just drop the main gear on the runway. Mm. It would squeal <laughs> and blue smoke, and I would never be able to rent the plane again. Right. But what it would do is just...
2: Sque- it would look cool because you'd leave yeah, there tire marks. <laughs> yeah.
3: We're drifting in the plane. He's right. so cool. Yeah. Um, but the plane would actually center itself. And we would be pointing down the runway. Yeah. It'd be noisy and expensive. Yeah. Tail draggers, where the main gear's in the front and the little wheel's in the back, and usually is a little wheel, it is, have the opposite problem. Their center of mass is behind the main gear. So if they tried that, tried to do that, where they crab into the wind and just fly it down to the, the runway, the center of mass is behind the main gear. What it's going to try and do is flip ends. Right. So it's like pushing a shopping cart backwards. It really yeah. doesn't like it. Yeah. And well, when you swap ends in an airplane, it's called a ground loop. Usually things get broken. And that thing is usually the wings, yeah. uh, which are shockingly important. What? Uh, so there's a trick where, so we've got in, in any aircraft, um, there's there's four controls you're interested in as far as just going out and doing your business. There's roll, which is the ailerons. Those are the little, little bendy parts at the very ends of the wingtips. And that's what rolls the airplane left left and right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there's pitch, which is nose up, nose down. That's the elevator in the back. And then there's the rudder, which gives a yaw input, which is how you drive a car, because you can't roll a car. Well,
2: well you can. Yeah. You can.
3: <laughs> Less than ideal. Right. Um, but really, in a car, you're driving with a yaw input. I want to twist the plane to the left or the car to the left or right. Right. The other input is power, which people often forget about that's an important one well there's this interesting trick that you can do where you can roll the airplane into the wind but use the rudder so you put a yaw input in so the airplane is still pointed down the runway and so the airplane wants to turn let's say the the wind is coming from the right so you would roll into the right and then add left rudder so that the airplane is pointed down the runway but flying crooked you know it's upwind right. wing is low and it will fly straight. Well, straight. It right. will continue to fly. And what you do is you take that that lift vector, which is basically pointing up through the top of the plane, and you sort of point it at the wind. Okay. So rather than aiming into the wind, you actually aim your lift vector into the wind. Right. So that it counteracts the crosswind.
2: So you're you're saying it's not just Y and X, right? It's There's Z There's a Z. Too.
3: Right. Yeah, wow. Z is awesome. Wow. Will you fly? I didn't this. even think of that. <laughs> you, usually what you do is you crab into the wind to 100 feet 50 feet depends on how good you are i usually start it's called a slip so you start slipping i'm i'm usually like at 300 feet i'm all set up to for that slip because i'm not that good um we can fly that right down to the runway and what you'll do is you'll land with the upwind wheel first and then the downwind wheel and
2: right i've seen those landings yeah so so if we go way way back yes before they had these before other they have all these features great things yeah. crabbing yeah and <laughs> thinking about vector was um, it and just
1: and was it just jeppy in the plane and he just <laughs> would fly straight up and then straight yeah. down how did they start to come up with the uh, the uh, rudder and the yeah
3: well, like
2: when did all that happen
3: that's actually so that actually goes back to the Wright brothers yeah and there were a couple of things that the Wright brothers did that their peers weren't and those were the wrong brothers. Right. Were, yes.
2: Yeah. There was a,
3: a rivalry for a yeah, long time. Yeah. They messed up. All right. So here's an interesting trivia. Yes. Um, so when the CAA started issuing the Civil Aviation Authority, authority, I don't know, the precursor to the FAA was issuing airman certificates. They issued the Wright Brothers certificates three and four.
2: Wow. Even who were who one and two?
3: It was Limburg and I can't remember who the other one was. Limburg. They issued <laughs> that him, guy. That guy. They issued them in alphabetical order.
2: Oh. So, yeah. Their rights were at, you know, at W. The end, yeah. Wow. So, there was four people. Yep.
3: Xavier Zamorowski got five, I guess. Yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, so that's one of the things the Wright brothers were interested in is like. Not just how do you get an airplane into the air, but once you get there, what are you gonna do right And so they spent a lot of time figuring out how t- what controls you wanted and how you would affect these controls um, and their peers really weren't doing that. It was more like hang gliders where the way you control a hang glider is by shifting your your mass around underneath the wing right and they were actually interested they called it wing warping, where they would actually change the camber of the wing to f- affect a roll or. Well, that was typically the aileron input. And they did have rudders in the front, and they had an elevator also. Well, the rudder was in the back, the elevator was in the front, which is sort of an interesting change. But, so,
2: um, w- but were their wings as um, bent as, let's say?
3: They had a very high camber. Okay. And it was one of the 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 other things that they did that their peers weren't is they were actual scientists. They well, didn't design a wing to look like a bird. Right. They actually, they did that originally. They were making kites and studying how the kites flew. And the first one wasn't performing well. So they made a better one and it didn't perform well. And they're like, maybe we don't really understand this whole lift and fluid dynamics thing. Yeah. And they constructed a wind wind tunnel and started looking at what shapes does w- a wing need to be. And they've actually, they figured out that there's this thing called the aspect ratio, which is the, the width of a wing versus the, the, the wingspan. Okay. And the the greater that ratio, the more efficient the wing. Okay. And so they went from stubby little kites to the Wright Flyer One, which is a relatively narrow wing with a long wingspan. Yeah. And that got off the ground and flew, and so and what, here we are today. What <laughs> what
2: kind of scientists were they?
3: They were bicycle, they, they made bicycle, bicycle engineers. But that's <laughs> yeah. but they switch from making wings that look like birds' wings to right. Let's understand how these things work in the first place right. and design a better wing.
2: Which is which makes me laugh because I, I realized that, like, is it Red Bull that, like, does the competition every year where people oh, are making, the, like... Oh, yeah. What's the, you know I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, though, yeah. right? But people still try to make devices or, um, you know, machines that look like birds still. Like, to this Empt, day, people still I mean, don't work. Reinvent the wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't really work as well. But we're going to take a break. And when, when we come back from that, I want to maybe... Continue a little bit about history, sure. talk about my horrible fear of flight and how it's validated by statistics. Stop. <laughs> and maybe movies.
3: This is Aaron Claussen, amateur pilot, and you are listening to KMRE LT 102.3 FM in Bellingham. Your community, your voice, your station.
2: This episode, Physics, Fear, and Flight, with Dr. Aaron Clausen, was produced in the KMRE Spark Radio Studios, located in the Spark Museum on Bay Street in Bellingham.
3: So you are listening to KMRE LP, 102.3 FM in Bellingham, your community, your voice, your
0: station. Skyhawk 21745, right base 416, report over the river. I am Terry, early 5 to check in at bay inbound for St. Joe's, I've got India. 5, Bellingham Tower, transitions approved That's at Bellingham, Bellingham at your honor, excuse,
2: no we're back speaking with dr. Aaron Claussen about aviation and my horrible fear of flying I am not really f- afraid of flying commercial airlines but I am afraid of flying in smaller planes which we did a couple days ago so um, Why is
1: that? Is there a statistic right, about right. <laughs> larger well, planes going down more often than smaller planes? The other way. Or, the other way. Oh, I was just asking. Right. I don't know.
2: So if Aaron, there was only
3: somebody we knew who had the answer. Right. So yeah.
2: Aaron came <laughs> up to me and like tried to make me feel better. And what did you say?
3: So this is a, a a rule of thumb. Yeah. And so with commercial aviation, the big jets, the the most dangerous part of a commercial flight is getting to the airport.
2: Okay. <laughs> on the freeway on the freeway or, or on car. the side roads right
3: yeah or or yeah. however you're getting there once you're in the plane you're that's like the, the safest place you can be right um but with, then
2: you gave me a statistic so, related to motorcycles general
3: aviation <laughs> which is what i do so you're in a cessna it's a rated plane i have a private pilot certificate i have to go get a medical medical exam every two years it's yeah, the, That's just
2: good for you, though. That's awesome. Oh, no.
3: It's a totally different Congratulations. one. This is where you go see the doctor, and he's like, how do you feel? And I tell him, I feel fantastic, but I expect to feel better any day now. And he signs my ticket off for two <laughs> years, and I'm good. <laughs> I have a total other doctor for the Man, it hurts when I do that. Right. And I'm hoping the FAA's not listening. Um, <laughs> so, so general aviation, which is, you know, yahoos like me in little planes actually controlling the thing, is in the same neighborhood as riding a motorcycle. That you know, motorcycles crash about as often per hour as general
1: aviation airplane. Well, <laughs> so, the motorcycle statistics actually, when I heard it, when I started riding, was the first six months of riding a motorcycle is the most dangerous. Every oh, really? time after that is fine. So, there's a lot oh, of people I'm out there. I'm covered. Yeah, yeah. With that, within so, that six months that are wow. just. Dropping like flies. So our well,
2: producer we- over here, Katie Knudsen, is is making a face. She made the same face um, that um, I made when Aaron said this to me because he's like, so do you ride motorcycles? And I said, of course not.
3: <laughs> and I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, I thought everybody did.
2: Uh, No. And I don't because they look super dangerous.
3: Oh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. Exactly. <laughs> See, that didn't make me feel better. But it's not like... I don't know what's more dangerous than that. Like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. That's well, just crazy. I, think that's safer. That's I don't safer. think it is, Jordan.
2: <laughs> 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 if you look at those statistics. Yeah, I what is
3: the statistic on that, you know? I
1: have no idea. The jumping
2: well, out. So I have a friend who is a side ever, and she's done like 160 something. Um, and she's not dead, right? She's not dead. Okay. But she said that there's after one data point. There, <laughs> there, yeah, there is a number, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was. Um, I think it was in the fair. It was like in the three hundreds or something. She was like, "Yeah, at that point, your like statistics are getting like more and more likely that something's going to happen to you." And I was like, "Wow, that sounds
1: terrifying." Hmm.
3: It's uh, like past uh, two hundred or something. Two hundred. Yet you drive a car. Yeah, I,
1: see, well, I yeah, don't I even. Say, I don't
2: even let myself go there. When you know, I, I lived like, in California, my,
1: my uh, California will allow you to take a class so you don't get a speeding ticket or something on your record. So I went and took this class, and <laughs> they said. Uh, I'm sure it's gone up from now, but they said the amount of wrecks that happen in the U.S. are the equivalent to a Boeing 7, 747 going down every single day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Right. So that's why I'm not afraid of commercial airlines, but I was afraid of your motorcycle statistic when we went up a couple well, days so ago.
3: so the typical accident is running out of gas. And so we went up. We checked it. Mm-hmm. Remember?
1: Yeah. Remember we checked
3: it. We and, have a picture of that, there. listeners. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... This is how paranoid I am. So, we left for an hour flight. I think it was 1.1 hours. And we had three hours and change worth of gas. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so, just in case. We were covered. Right.
3: Um, and that's. I,
2: yeah. I do want to say to our listeners that Aaron is very, very cautious. Like, everything he was like, let's check this. Like, I uh, let's, you know, let's go in at this vector because I don't trust this other one. He's like, now let's look around to see if there's any other planes that are going to hit us. And that was, that made me feel a lot better. I do want to say that.
3: Well, I was in the plane. If it was remote control, (laughs) (laughs) let's just go. Mm -hmm. No. And that's part of it. It's, you know, there's a pre-flight inspection and we did a run up before we took off and it's, it's sort of checking the, the shape of the airplane that all the parts are there and nothing's rusting out. And then we did a a run-up where you don't quite get the engine to full power but you get it up to about 17-1800 rpms and make sure there's there, there's two ignition systems there's two spark plugs per cylinder and you try the ones on the left and they work and the ones on the right and they work and the carburetor's doing its thing and yeah uh,
2: well i was actually impressed i i the the, um, the amount of like safety checks we did was way more than i thought was going to happen and so i do want to thank you yeah. for making me feel good <coughs>
1: Yeah, the safety checks I thought was going to happen was going to be the equivalent of uh, the movie Radio Flyer, where the kid <laughs> just turns a Radio Flyer wagon into a plane. And he's like, Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, just <laughs> hits the wing.
2: All right, let's start this lawnmower up. To, to bring us back to TV and computer science, too, sure. we talked about Top Gun, but hmm. is there any other aviation movies that are just ridiculous, like super inaccurate as a, as a pilot now oh. that you watch them, or pretty accurate as a pilot?
3: That's an interesting question. Yeah.
2: Huh. I'm full of interesting stuff. Um,
3: well, I have to say there's actually a movie called Always that I really enjoy, okay. but I haven't seen it recently to tell you that if it's terribly accurate or inaccurate. <laughs> Who's in it? Richard Dreyfuss. Okay. He's the ghost. He's a
2: ghost He's in, a in ghost it. He's a ghost. I want it. to
3: watch this. This is Uh-oh. horrible. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> so bad Dreyfuss? and good. <laughs> Jordan
2: and I were forced to watch Mr. Holland's Opus over and over and over again when we were in band. Yeah, at, in Linden. So we're not the biggest Richard Dreyfusons. fans. But if he's a ghost, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of curious now.
3: No, don't even. No. So it's actually a lot about fighting forest fires from the air. Okay. Um,
2: Which is how he died, because he's a ghost.
3: That yes. Okay. And he's, he's he's supposed, supposed to be a mentor for you know, this up and coming pilot, who cannot have. He, he just cannot do a stable approach so he's coming into land and you know he's rolling about 45 <laughs> degrees each God. way and there's actually a, a comment you can make to pilots like oh that was an always approach
2: oh really yeah. referencing that movie I'm referencing
3: that movie oh, was, we're, we're in the kinda, know now it's kind of like the guardian but uh
1: always version the, it, guardian, like a, what's a, the guardian the it was oh I don't kevin the, klein the, kevin, yeah, costner? kevin costner yeah okay. where he's all he takes on this young uh, that's
2: every movie. That's Cats. It's cats? You know, cats? I've never seen that. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a, is a I,
1: one lady in a house? <laughs> no,
2: you take on, you know, a young apprentice. I don't know. That, I get I, that references from Simpsons. They told me that. I don't know if that's even true. For but ever. so can you think of any other movie? <laughs> Top Gun, of course, is awesome, but that's Jets. So let's think of Cessnas. I think there's a movie with Anna Paquin and Geese.
1: Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> going to say, I was trying to say, what Fly was it? Fly Away Home.
3: Fly Away Home. I okay. oh, yeah. enjoyed that movie. Did
2: you? I've never seen it
3: um how was it's it it's a
2: good movie i'm I'm sure it has to be fairly accurate right it's like a based on a true story or something
3: well it is Does based it, off of a true story yeah but there's a part in the movie that i i'd say if i remember right they're flying out of canada down to florida with these with these canada geese right and they actually they're so loud yes and poopy um they end up flying into you, a control yeah. area in the states okay by accident right and so that was i kind of enjoyed that because yeah. it's sort of a you're worried about flying, crashing, and dying. I'm worried about flying into somebody else's airspace and not calling them.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's and,
3: a good point. And it's really weird up here with you know just Canada right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so
2: did Anna Peckling get shot out of the out of the sky?
3: Well, they had F-15s. It was sort of a mashup. Whoa. No, they just landed. <laughs> I was <in>. like,
2: what? <laughs> the
1: untold story. I should watch this <laughs> movie. F-15s uh, blew all the Canadian geese away. Yeah.
2: That was the end. That was the director's cut.
3: <laughs> yeah, director's cut. yeah. <laughs> The alternate ending. You have to turn the, the commentary on and do the F-15 in the background. Here's what actually That's happened. Right. That's
2: <laughs> based on a true story.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of It, it was all true movies. except for 10% of the movie where they actually fly. Right. Uh, and there are geese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: You're listening to Spark Science on KMRE 102.3 FM in Bellingham. And we're talking about physics and flight with Dr. Aaron Kloss. No,
0: you said we're going to do a barrel roll? But technically it's an aileron roll. Yeah, it's an aileron. It's an a aileron roll. Yes. No. <laughs> For starters, this plane's not set up to do aerobatics. We would break stuff. And I'm not, I don't do that and I wouldn't do that even if I had a plane that was set up this close to the ground. Alright guys, we're gonna take a selfie. In the air.
1: I'm trying to think of uh there was, I thought there was some movie with, like, Will Smith was, like, a test pilot for the Navy, or...
2: That was Independence Day. Was that Independence yeah. Day? <laughs> I don't know. I don't
3: well, know. <laughs> so it's not a movie, but there's a Flying Alaska... I think it's on Discovery. Oh, yeah, Flying Alaska. Um,
1: I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. I have seen each <laughs> you watch and every Discovery. episode. Yeah, yeah.
3: Did you <clears throat> watch every episode? Yeah, it's... I really enjoy it, but there's a... So, in Alaska, flying is a little different. You know, we have the benefit of runways. They'll land on sandbars and hillsides and, you know, they drop people off in the back country to go, Yeah. I don't know, hunt stuff, go camping. I don't yeah. Know. And it's not the safest maneuver. Right. But it's not, they, you know, they bill it as like, oh, this is the most dangerous thing you can do in, in aviation is, you know, go land in the grass. I'm like, well, you know, I've landed in the grass. It's Have not you? That. Oh,
2: yeah. Why?
3: How are you here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you absolutely. a ghost? So down in yeah. Arlington.
2: <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> Sorry. Yes,
3: yes, I am. Wait, that's an always maneuver
2: (laughs) to be a ghost. (laughs) ghost. So go ahead. You landed in grass. So
3: down in Arlington, there's some, which is a, so we took off out of Bellingham. Bellingham has a control tower.
2: It does. We heard it. Yep. And you and listeners, you might also hear it.
3: Yeah. So we uh, had to talk to there's there's an area of the airport that there's a person in the tower who's ground and they control everything up to the runway. And the tower owns the runway and everything that's off the ground, up to, it's about 2,700 feet. Um, and you have to ask for permission and get clearance, and you know, hopefully you'll hear the part where we're coming back in, and they tell us exactly what to do, and I did my best to do what they asked me to do. And... Bellingham Tower, Skyhawk 21745 is over the river on the right face 1-6. 745, uh, runway 1-6, clear Seven Four Five, one six
0: land. turn left on Delta. Taxi via Delta. Monitor ground frequency. Skyhawk seven four five taking Delta. Taxiing parking. Monitoring
3: ground. Arlington has no tower. Oh. So there is a frequency that's assigned for the radios, and you're supposed to tell Arlington traffic, "I'm about to." do And this something is Arlington, crazy. Washington, for yes.
2: our listeners in in Italy. Not Arlington, Texas. Not Arlington. <laughs> You know, DC or whatever, Virginia. Where is it?
3: Virginia. So yeah, Arlington is an old World War II um, airport. It's a big airport, but there's no control tower, and so when you're coming in, you're like, hey, I'm five miles out, landing on whatever runway you're gonna land on. Um, so crazy stuff happens there. They do glider ops. There's air, um, ultralights. There's rated planes. Mm. It's. um I used to fly out of there a lot, and. You would take off and be the only person in the sky, and by the time you've turned around and landed, there's like eight people.
2: My my um, aunt lives one mile from it. I, I that just hit me when yeah. I when I go to her house, I see that um, airport all the time. Yeah.
3: And so when I was flying out there, there was a guy with a, a Yugoslavian fighter that he would go fly around with. So <laughs> oh we would my do we, we would do the pattern at about a half mile out. He'll do it at five miles out wow. because you know he lands at two hundred miles an hour. Wow. Um. So Arlington's weird. Yeah. Well. There's the main runway that you land on, and there are these little exits there's there's the an exit at the big there's a way onto the runway at the very beginning of the runway, you know a mile at the other end, the other extreme, and then there's two in the middle well the islands you know the where it's not paved is just grass, and they just mow it down so you can like see the signs and see the runway and yeah. Well, I had a Cessna 150, and it didn't have wheel pants like the 172 did the other day. And
2: Wheel pants. I love
3: it. Um, little shoes. Mm-hmm. This makes the tires go faster. It's more like spats. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> spats. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just make your approach, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go land in the grass. And you would just land in the grass to the right of the runway. And you just wow roll out. And,
2: and they were like, that's okay. Oh, yeah. A... We have fighter planes here. It's cool.
3: <laughs> there's nobody controlling <laughs> it, right? Yeah. No. There's nobody out there. It's yeah. just... And I wasn't the only one doing it. And it's just yeah. kind of. Oh, of the, so if all your friends were going right. to do it, then just fine for you to yeah, do it. Yeah, if all my Everyone's friends are landing doing it. there. Jeez. Um, but it's a different. It's called a soft field landing. So, you know, it wasn't a bad landing the other day. But you, yeah, you got to get versed in it somehow, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's just practice.
2: Yeah. When you go out to the wild Canadian, you know, yeah. like like that show that you watch. So one day that will be you.
3: And that's that was kind of my point. It's a great show. They do some fun stuff. But it's, you know, when they talk about landing. Some of the sandbar landings that the, the guy does in the TV show, that's, like, crazy. Where he actually puts the tires down in the river to slow down. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. So that yeah. he's no, going slow enough. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. But landing on a, a ridgeline, that's, yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, oh, my God, the guy's going to die because he's landing on a ridgeline. It's just like, well, it's not paved. It's like you know driving down a dirt road rather than driving down the freeway.
2: He's just spoiled, really.
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh, if we could talk
1: really quick about uh, I saw the most dangerous airport in the world Do you know anything about that? I think it up, was f- Up
3: in the Himalayas? Yeah Yes, and had yes. like a, Some
1: crazy approach to it so it's, Have you heard anything about it? It's I just a, want more information Sure
3: Um, I cannot remember the name of it It's named after Hillary's Sherpa Okay And I don't remember his name But it's um, um So it's a one-way runway So you take off one way and you land the other yeah so we're you know in bellingham we took off on one six and you landed on one six this would be like landing on one six and taking off on three four right um it's uphill on the approach so you touch down on the numbers and you're actually going uphill right. yeah. which is great on a landing because now you're you don't have to hit your brake because you're right. going uphill and it's great on the takeoff because you turn around and you fly downhill
1: right Um, and and then it just disappears
3: yes so why is it
2: the most dangerous
3: very high altitude okay and it's short
2: and yetis
3: and yetis yeah (laughs) Uh, and there's no real go around so you're basically flying into a cliff face so if you miss your approach for some reason it's it's a pretty aggressive maneuver to get out of there Wow. so you come in you 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 land and airplanes get squirrely at altitude because the air is, is, isn't dense, it's kind of thin. Right. That the ailerons don't work as well, the rudder, you start losing <sighs> rudder authority. So it's, and you know, it's, you got to go fly a little faster and you approach a little faster and that runway is not getting any longer. And Right. Um, so yes, I don't go there. Right. I don't think that once every two would make it up that high, but... <laughs> right.
2: Um. I do want to say, as we finish this show, that I really did appreciate, and hopefully the listeners have already heard kind of the beginning of when you were like, okay, now we're at 500 feet, now everything's safe. Having you take us through that was very, very helpful. And, and now you telling me about this Himalayan thing, I'm glad that we aren't there. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
3: So you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. And thank you.
2: And yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to take us up in the air. (laughs) Let's go again. All right. Thank you so much, Aaron, for coming and talking to us about aviation. Thank you very much.
0: Taxiway paint markings are faded. There's flow to the SeaTac airport. Advise you of information. India. India? Somebody's flying to India? Yep. Bellingham International Airport information. India one seven. Zulu. Wind one six zero at eight. Visibility one zero. Sky condition. Ceiling two thousand three hundred. Overcast. Temperature one seven. Dew point one three. Altimeter three zero one one. ILS approach. Runway one six in use. No TAMS.
2: Thank you for joining us. We just spoke with pilot and computer scientist, Dr. Aaron Clawson, about aviation.
1: If you missed any of the show, go to our website, kmre.org, and click on the podcast link. Our show is entirely volunteer-run, and if you would like to help us out, click on the button Donate. This is Spark Science. I'm Jordan Baker.
2: And I'm Regina Barber-DeGraff.
1: If there's a science idea that you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Spark Science.
2: Today's episode, Physics, Fear, and Flight, with Dr. Aaron Cawson, was produced in the KMRE Spark Radio Studios, located in the Spark Museum on Bay Street in Bellingham. Our producer is Katie Knudsen, and the engineer for today's show is Eric Fabureta. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious.
1: And our feature song today is Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins.